Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio. I've got a solo episode for you today, and it's one that I've frankly been wanting to do for a while, and uh, it's it might make you laugh, but I felt like I haven't had time to do it. I'm going to talk about uh, why that limiting belief um, put this off for as long as it did, and it's a great example of what I'm about to talk about. I'm going to talk about the stories we tell ourselves. I'm going to talk about what we know from in terms of neuroscience about those stories and how they impact our subconscious mind. Tony Robbins said, the only thing that's keeping you from getting what you want is the story you keep telling yourself. If you have questions about anything you hear on Vitality Radio, call us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or jump online, vitalitynutrition.com. So I started off by saying, I don't have time. Well, we can use that for all kinds of different things, but I want to focus first on our physical health, and then I'm going to focus on our mental health. And this may even be a two-part series because there's a lot to get into here. But we'll start off with physical health. When it comes to our health, what are the reasons why, let's just take exercise. We can take exercise because it's a perfect example of where I have limited myself because of this more than anything else, I believe, as I've analyzed it. And it is that statement, I don't have time. So the fact is 26% of people think that they do not have enough time to make a lifestyle change. You have the same number of hours in a day as everyone else in the world. Why are some people able to capture every moment while others consistently use lack of time as an excuse? It's because for some people, working out is a must, and for others, it's a should. The key is for you to turn your shoulds into musts. You can start by tracking where you spend your time. This will help you to better prioritize and schedule your activities accordingly. Begin each day with a definite plan and put a stake in the ground for what it is that you want out of the day. This is something you must do, not something you should do. Those words, must and should, make a big difference. Now, that's from a uh, that's an excerpt and I'm going to quote a few of them from something I downloaded that you can get for free from tonyrobbins.com. Now, I uh, don't agree with everything that Tony Robbins says. I may, maybe don't agree with everything anybody says, but I do think he's on the right path 100% uh, throughout this document uh, when, he comes, when it comes to what he calls the 16 limiting beliefs that are preventing you from thriving. So <clears throat> I've been spending a lot of time over the last five years educating myself on all of this stuff, the neuroscience of, you know, kind of why things happen in our brains, how they happen, and how that impacts our 
ability to achieve the success that we want to achieve, to shake addiction, to uh, find a relationship that is the relationship we really want, or, and, and that is exactly what I've been attempting to do over the last little while, is find that, uh, and I found it. I found something that is more magical and beautiful and more true than anything I've ever found before. But it wasn't because I went and did the same things that I had done that hadn't panned out in my previously previous relationships. It was because I decided to take a different path and figure it out through doing different things. You know, that whole uh, saying that... Uh, the definition of of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, I decided that I wanted different results, so I wasn't going to do the same thing over and over again. And I will say that I do believe that a few things and people were placed in my path at beautiful times and uh, right at the right time for me. But had I not been looking, I likely wouldn't have seen them. And I do believe there's a lot of that going on in every one of our lives. If we're not looking for those things, oftentimes they can be right in front of our faces and we will not see them. My sweetheart and I joke about how we are not each other's type at all. We are not what we were looking for, at least on the surface. But below the surface, we found exactly what we wanted. I'm going to rephrase that. We found exactly what we needed and now we don't want anything else. So that's just, you know, lovey-dovey stuff, but it's kind of important stuff. But let's talk about health. The should, the must, I don't have time. Let's talk about time for just a minute because I think this is really, really important. One of my favorite questions is, and this is one I ask myself, is it true? Is this story I am telling myself about how busy I am, is it really true? Could it change? Is it true that I don't have enough time to exercise? Now, I will say that exercise is only one of the things that I've told myself I don't have enough time for. There are so many other things. But because we're talking about health, we'll focus on that one right now. Well, let's look at the statistics, not my personal statistics, but just as a nation in America where most people are listening, although... Interestingly enough, I guess there's about 50 other countries that tune in from time to time to Vitality Radio. And so if you're not in America and you're listening, I appreciate you. But I think that to a large degree, this still applies. Screen time, on average, seven hours and four minutes watching a screen of some time, of some kind, sorry, uh, for the average American. Now, you're not average. I'm not average. Unfortunately, that means some of us are above average in this statistic, and of course, some of us are well below average. But the average is seven hours, and that's a lot, about a third of your day. If you sleep eight hours a day, that means that nearly half of your time is spent on a screen. Now, I couldn't find how much of that screen time might be work-related. In my case, a lot of my screen time is work-related, and likely in many other cases out there as well, as we've all adopted the screen, computers and iPhones and whatnot as ways of doing work and getting work done. And I also know that remote workers spend an average of 13 hours a day on their screen. So does that mean that five of the 13 hours, um, you know, eight hours at work and then five hours off the clock uh, for most people is used not doing work? 
Well, it's kind of interesting. That leads us to the next statistic. Well, 294 minutes per day watching entertainment, not including shows outside of the house, such as concerts, movies, plays, the symphony, and so on. So on average, watching things like I'll say TV, but we watch it on our phone, we watch it on our iPad, we watch it on our laptop, we watch it all over the place. About five hours a day of TV time, on average. So that would indicate to me that of the seven hours and four minutes that is the average screen time usage, five of that is done with entertainment. Now, you know, what does entertainment mean? It's going to be different for everyone. And I can't speak for anyone else, but ask yourself these questions because I think there's really value, especially if you are one. And trust me, we're not just talking about I don't have time today. We're going to hit about four of these significantly limiting beliefs. We're going to focus on time for now, but stay tuned if this is not one that you tell yourself. But I think it's a pretty common one. So I can't speak for anyone else, like I said, but I know if I spend a couple of hours watching a movie... I often feel like I cheated myself of something that could have been better for me and for my life. Do you ever feel that way? Now, this is not me talking about downtime. Downtime is of great value. But as I've become more aware, as I've become maybe a little older, as I've seen how quickly my children grow, as I've seen how quickly the seasons change, as I've seen how life moves at a seemingly frenetic pace, I have started to recognize, and in large part due to my sweetheart, who is a nature lover extraordinaire, that maybe some of my downtime would be better spent, and I'm not even going to say maybe, much of my downtime would be better spent not watching a movie, but being out in nature, out on a hike, which would also qualify as exercise, right? Um, or, you know, even if it's out on a boat on the lake fishing and yeah, you're not exercising, but maybe you're communing with nature, which is a beautiful thing. Maybe it's walking barefoot in the grass or the dirt, uh, grounding yourself. There are so many other things that probably are more enlightening to you and to your soul than what you might find on a screen. I think this is particularly of interest today, though, in ways that maybe it wasn't for people my age, I'm 50, uh, when we were kids, and certainly our parents and grandparents and further back. When we think about media, and I'm not just talking about news media, but television, movies, sports leagues, what are they pushing? Is there an agenda? Is it an agenda that nourishes your life and your soul? Or is it messaging that is designed to simply sell you stuff? Sometimes it's literally selling you stuff like shoes or alcohol or pharmaceutical drugs like I talked about last week. Or maybe it's selling you information and trying to convince you of things that maybe aren't true. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about what that messaging is bringing into our lives and what it might be bringing into your children's lives if you have children? How are they being influenced? Is it light or darkness? Because I'm convinced and certainly willing to look at uh, alternative viewpoints on this, but I'm convinced that the vast majority of things coming out of Hollywood are more dark than they are light and are more troubling to a soul 
than soothing to a soul. And there are so many other ways that we could be spending our time. And if we're spending five hours a day and we're not on an exercise bike or we're not out hiking or we're not walking or lifting weights or whatever type of physical exercise, and we are saying, I don't have time, then the first, the second question I asked, is it true? It's not true. It's a lie. So regardless of whether we are lifting ourselves up with all of this time or potentially doing harm to ourselves, maybe too much is too much no matter what. Now, I have to throw myself right in the mix here. I do indeed keep myself very busy. I sometimes admit that I can wear busyness like a badge of honor. I am so busy. I must be in high demand. People love me and my attention and focus. But how busy am I really? Now, I want to go backwards a little bit because my top love language, if you believe in the five love languages, which I think have a lot of merit for sure, is affirmation. I get affirmed every time somebody wants my attention. Maybe not every time everyone wants my attention. I'm not that excited or affirmed when the IRS wants my attention, but I am always honored that you listening to this show might reach out to me on the phone or on our website through the chat feature or um, on Instagram and reach out and ask me questions about your health. It makes me feel necessary. It makes me feel in demand. It makes me feel knowledgeable. It does a lot of things for me. So being busy answering those questions and helping people, uh, it, it does become a bit of a badge of honor for me. And I've, I've started to recognize that a lot and recognize that maybe my focus needs to shift just a little bit. But it's a challenge. And the reason I bring this up specifically in my life is because it's something I am intimately aware of. But you have these things in your life. I anticipate all of us have these things in our lives that keep us busy, that in some cases are really, really beautiful things. You know, I'm off of screen time now. Now I'm talking about other things, right? So it's beautiful that I might be able to help somebody with their health issues and that they have come to trust me in such a way that they would be willing to ask me and potentially even take my advice on the subject. I love that. And I just had somebody on the phone right before I recorded this show asking me questions about uh, her mother and her niece and uh, some health issues that they have. She's a very good and loyal customer at Vitality Nutrition here locally. I've known her for years. And before she hung up the phone, she said, Jared, I just have to tell you that I don't think I could do this without you. I, You have helped me so much and helped so many of my loved ones so much. And I said, well, I appreciate that. And yes, it felt great. It felt great. It was my love language being spoken so beautifully and, and so um, authentically from her because I know the woman that this woman is and she's a very authentic individual. So I know she meant it. And I blushed a little probably, and I said, but know that I can't do this without people like you either. And it was a beautiful thing. And it is a beautiful thing that she feels that I've helped their, her family as much as I have and helped her as much as I have. And that's not anything about you know pumping myself up. But my point is, what if sometimes I'm helping her and her family at the expense of me and my family? 
you remember getting on the last airplane that you got on and the flight attendant said to you, secure your own oxygen mask before you help your neighbor. Why is that? Because if you can't breathe, you can't help. It's really quite simple. If I become so wrapped up in quote-unquote helping other people, which is not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. I think it's really why we're here on this earth. But I'm not helping me in my own. I'm not putting on my own oxygen mask. Then even too much of a good thing can be a bad thing. So I spent a few minutes analyzing this for myself today. According to my iPhone, I spent an average of four hours and 15 minutes on my phone this past week on a you know, daily basis. And that was down from the week before, which was actually quite a bit higher. This morning, as of 10.30 a.m., I have had 99 notifications. About 45 of those are text messages, and the rest are social media messages uh, that have come through, through you know, all kinds of different channels and emails and so on. So I guess I am busy. 99 notifications is a lot. I sometimes compare notes with others, and I get more text messages than anyone I know. So it's partly true in my case that, yes, I am busy. But as I have analyzed my time and how busy I actually am, I recognize that I spend a lot of time not getting much done, chasing down rabbit holes, listening to podcasts that I find very interesting, but that don't really advance my goals and oftentimes are rehashing you know, political things or whatever that I don't need to hear over and over again that really not only don't enhance my ability to get to my goals, but also can take my mind off of my goals. And I've found that sometimes my podcast listening is escapism. I'll listen to a show that I know I don't have to pay a lot of focus to because it's not going to give me anything to do. Does that make sense? A show like this, I anticipate sometimes makes you feel like you want to do something with the information that you have. If I'm listening to a more political show, it's information, it's interesting, it's a weird form of entertainment, I guess, for me, because I'm very interested in what's going on in all those realms. But I know that there's no marching orders that are going to come with it, and it's going to take my mind off things that might be stressing me in other ways. So oftentimes it's escapism. And ask yourself this question. It's a very, very valuable question. Ask yourself, am I doing this activity, and I really don't care if it's on a screen or not, am I doing this activity to enrich my life or to enrich the lives of others, particularly your loved ones, or am I doing this activity for another reason? Am I doing this activity to escape? Am I doing this activity to look good for someone else? If you can answer that question honestly and say that the activity is enriching, then that's beautiful. But if you catch yourself saying too often, no, this isn't enriching my life, then think about how you're spending your time. Now, as a podcaster, I sincerely hope that you feel that this show advances your goals and educates you in ways that enrich your life. I know that I have some podcasts that do that but I also have others that do not. In fact, if we look at it, the uh, insights that I found as I was researching this, the number one form of podcast is comedy. 
The number three form is news. The number four is true crime. The number five is sports. Number two is society and culture. There's a lot wrapped up in that. I don't even know what those podcasts might be specifically. But you'll notice that comedy, news, true crime, and sports are largely entertainment of some kind. And I would anticipate escapism of some kind. My point is simple. I agree with Tony Robbins. We have time. I have time. I can exercise if I prioritize exercise, or I continue to be too busy. I am too busy. That's the word, that, or that's the phrase. That's the phrase that I use. I imagine it might be a phrase that you use as well. I am too busy. It's a scary thing to say, and this is why. And this applies to everything I'm about to say for the rest of this podcast. It ingrains in your subconscious mind that you are indeed limited that you are too busy to make lifestyle changes. And therefore, it becomes a belief. Look at how beliefs played out during the COVID years. Not so hot for a lot of us. So, if we have time because we're willing to maybe limit some of the escapism, focus on the tasks at hand, without, and, and please don't hear what I'm not saying, Without limiting fun, we still have to have time for fun. Without limiting entertainment, we still have time for entertainment. We still have a need for entertainment. But asking yourself, am I escaping? Am I doing this instead of something else that would get me closer to where I really want to be? Odds are you're not too busy, but you may have told your subconscious mind for so long, and I know that I have, that you are too busy. And now it's time to retrain that brain. And I'm going to help you understand exactly how to do that as we go along. But there are more limiting beliefs. I started with time because I think it might be the most universal. At least it seems to me, or maybe I just surround myself with a lot of busy people. I'm not sure which. But time seems to be one of the most universal excuses, I'll say. And it's certainly the one that I use the most. And yet we have many others. We're going to go through three more right now. So the next limiting belief, it's too expensive. Now, when do you hear it's too expensive? I hear it. I don't know when you hear it or when you say it, but I hear it a lot when it comes to eating organic food. I'm going to take that as the example. I've heard it for plenty of other things too, but organic food. When I talk about healthier food options, when I talk about grass-fed beef, when I talk about uh, pasture-raised eggs, when I talk about organic produce, when I talk about these things, one of the first things that comes out of so many people's mouths are, it's too expensive. But again, according to the same article, Fact, 17% of people think it's too expensive to make a change towards a healthier lifestyle. But when we really look at the facts, the cost of eating a healthy diet versus an unhealthy diet is only $1.50 more per day. So about 45 bucks a month. The spare change in your pocket can mean the difference in your life. If you are committed to making a change, don't base your beliefs on common misconceptions. So what does that really mean? Well, there have been studies that have been done. And this is based on some of those studies. 
that it does cost in America on average about $1.50 a day to eat healthy versus eating unhealthy. Now, I get it. There's a huge disparity about what one might think is healthy and what another might think is healthy. But that's why I chose organic. So I just want to talk about organic. How much is a pasture-raised dozen of egg, dozen eggs versus a regular? Well, prior to the Biden administration, um, there wasn't as big of a, uh, a price for eggs, period, right? But now eggs have soared in price. They've sort of come back down a little bit. I've been watching it pretty closely. It's been interesting. For a while, we couldn't even get eggs at some grocery stores, but we can get eggs again. And of course, you can grow your own if you have chickens and all that kind of stuff. But let's just talk about the grocery store. Pasture-raised egg with fed with organic feed on average where I live is about six bucks a dozen. And I go through roughly three dozen a month in my household. So that's, and, and, a, and a regular, you know, conventional egg um, that, uh, you know, you might buy is going to be 250-ish about where I live. So 350, a, uh, you know, a dozen. So maybe you're talking 10 bucks a month. Roughly. So of the $45 that this particular example was pointing at, maybe $10 is eggs. Well, what is $10? It's a streaming service. It's half of a streaming service. Netflix right now is about 20 bucks, I think. Um, I don't know what Disney Plus and all these other ones are, and there's a thousand of them, right? So all, all the cord cutters are like, yay, we, we cut the cord to cable, but if we want our Paramount stuff, we got to get it over here. And if we want our Disney stuff, we get it over here. If we want our Netflix stuff, it's over here. I don't know if it's saving anybody any money, but whatever, that's beside the point. But what if you were to just cut one of these entertainment services out of your life that you maybe you don't use Hulu all that much? Um, what if you cut that one out? What if you cut that one out? And then also, what if you didn't eat out one time a month with your family? So I don't know how often you eat out now, but maybe it's twice a week. What if you just cut one of those out? Because the average bill eating out now, even fast food, is you know seven or eight or nine dollars a person on fast food, and it's twelve to fifteen dollars on you know what they what do they call fast fast fresh or whatever it is where they make it in front of you, and then it can be even more if you're going out for a steak, right? It could be thirty, forty dollars, fifty dollars, depending on where you go, and so you know multiply that out by how many people are in your household. It's very easy to spend eighty or a hundred dollars at dinner. And it's pretty easy to spend 30 or 40 dollars at fast food with you know four people. And so what if you cut that out? What if you cut that out and you cut out one streaming service? Would you have 45 more dollars to cover that one dollar and fifty cents? Because yeah, the price of raspberries organic is about a dollar more um, on average, maybe a dollar fifty. They don't go on sale quite as often, I've noticed. Um, the price of strawberries, a dollar or two more. The price of organic bananas is only about 20 cents more per pound. Um, you know, onions and apples and things like that are, you know, 20% more, 25% more. Grass-fed beef is quite a bit more expensive, probably 30 or 40% more. But when you average it all out, it doesn't actually amount to as much as it seems. When we're looking at it on a product-by-product -product basis, you're thinking, well, that adds up. And it does add up. But it doesn't add up to as much as I think we have told ourselves it adds up to be. I've gotten to the point where I eat almost exclusively organic. And that's not a brag. It took me a while. I love a deal. I mean, you want to, you want to get inside the head of Jared St. Clair? 
Talk to me about deals. Talk to me about all the things I've bought because it was a good deal, not because I actually needed it. Or in some cases, even wanted it all that much. Talk to me about the times that I bought things on clearance that are foods that are short on their date because I wanted to save a bunch of money because maybe they had them at the Kroger store for half price or 75% off, but there were only three dates, three months left on the date. And so I bought six of them and I couldn't even use all six of them and had to throw a couple of them away because they went bad on me. So yeah, I love a deal. I love a deal more than the next guy, depending on who that guy is, but I bet more than most. And so I get it. It's difficult for me. It is to pay full price. It's difficult for me to pay $4 for organic raspberries versus $3 for conventional raspberries. But over time, I have determined that my priority is not the cost of the food. It is the quality of the food. And I have shifted that in my head. And most of the time, I don't sweat it too much. But what have I had to do? Well, I've, I have had at times to make a choice between making dinner at home versus eating out, between uh, entertainment options, between uh, how much I can spend on vacation uh, versus just consistently feeding myself and my family clean food. And I've made that shift, but it's not uh, mentally, it's not that easy of a shift to make. But in truth, it is not that hard of a shift to make when you actually look at what the truth is. So again, ask yourself the question. It's a pretty simple question, but it's a really important one. Is it true? Is it really too expensive to eat healthy or do I just not want to pay that money to eat healthy because I would rather spend it on this or that or the other thing? So that's the second one. It's too expensive. How about this? Have you ever said this? I just don't have that kind of willpower. Oh, my goodness. Willpower. What the heck is willpower? Right? I mean, it's not something you can measure. It's not like you can measure it based on, you know, how, like how much gas is in your gas tank, right? Willpower is this, uh, it's almost this mythical thing in my mind. Because how many times have you tried to change your life with willpower? I'm just going to stop eating sugar. I don't have a plan necessarily. I'm just going to be strong and I'm not going to eat sugar anymore. Or I'm going to drop soda. I'm not, I'm not doing soda anymore. Oh, and by the way, if you're drinking soda every day, that's enough to switch to organic. You, if you're going over to the local soda shop, you know, getting a dirty Diet Coke, that's enough. If you're eating coffee every day out at Starbucks or somewhere like that, that's more than enough to eat organic. Anyway. Back to willpower. So I think it's a mythical thing. I really do. There are some people, when they resolve themselves to do something, they're solid, right? I'm not that guy, okay? This is, you're getting a lot of insight into my psyche today. I'm not that guy. Willpower isn't enough for me. I got to have an understanding and a desire high enough to overwhelm my addictive propensities towards food and things like that. Like now, as I've said on the show a few times, I'm eating seed oil free, 100% seed oil free. And 
mostly grain-free. And you want to talk about willpower, but it's not willpower. It's I just made a choice about how I want to feel. And I started, I've started to shift my relationship with food to be one of nourishment rather than one of pleasure. And yet I still gain great pleasure when I eat a delicious meal. But what I have found is that I can eat a delicious meal that is super clean and I enjoy it every bit as much with zero regrets and zero guilt and zero battering myself after the fact for eating it versus the delicious meal that was full of junk. It is a shift. And the shift isn't about willpower. Because willpower, in my opinion, and, and I don't know if this is you know how Tony Robbins feels or any of these other gurus, but in my opinion, like I say, it's like this mythical thing. I don't even know how to measure it. I don't know who has more willpower or who doesn't. What I do know is that if you set your mind to something and you decide that, yes, I do have time, and yes, it's not too expensive, willpower just kind of happens once you start to shift your mind and prioritize what you want to do and turn the I should do that into the I must do that. Okay, the fourth one is I don't understand. Now, this one is interesting. The fact is, according to a recent study, 52% of Americans believe that it is easier to do their taxes than to figure out how to eat healthfully. With a belief like this, it's no surprise that many people fail to even get started. Right? Well, I'll tell you this. Taxes are the worst thing in the entire world. And I've convinced myself of that. And I, and I believe it's true. I really do. And I have to have an accountant do all of that stuff for me. And it's because I've created a full-blown mental block about it because I've convinced myself that reading a government form is impossible. And I'm not exaggerating or being sarcastic. That's real. I really do believe that, and I know I believe that, and I know that I made myself believe that. Now, I don't doubt that the IRS intentionally torments us with their tax forms and their rules and regulations. I think that that is the job of government primarily is to torment its citizens, but that's another story for another day. But when we're talking about this, it is interesting because most people fear taxes, right? That's a really common thing. And yet people say it's easier to figure that out than how to eat healthfully. So, of course, I do this show and so many other health and wellness educational shows are out there on on the uh, Internet, on podcasts and whatnot. Carlin Call from Just Ingredients does her podcast and but mostly her little Instagram feed that million that a million people look at on a regular basis, including me telling you how to eat healthfully. And she pretty much walks you right through it. And so is it really that hard? Now, I will say this. It's confusing because you do get conflicting points of view. And I think that's just absolutely true. I don't know that there's any way around it. It is a little confusing. Even for me, someone who spends his whole life looking into this stuff, is carnivore better than raw vegan? I mean, you couldn't have two more different ways of eating, and you couldn't have two more adamant types of people on one end of the spectrum of the other. Is gluten-free necessary? Is sugar-free? Is keto? Is intermittent fasting? You know, all of these things, right? In fact, I plan to do an episode all about diet um, very soon. Um, not to tell you that I have a very specific one that I believe in, but to tell you where I think 
what, what, what my philosophy is about diet, and I'm going to go through all the different types of diets uh, that are out there that are being prescribed. This is what I believe about diet now, in, in a nutshell, and we're going to in detail in that future episode. I believe that there are extremes across the board, so many different extremes that you can choose with diet. And I do believe if you get very sick, in many cases, you have to make an extreme shift to get well again. For instance, Dr. Dale Bredesen, who was just on Vitality Radio talking about Alzheimer's and reversal of Alzheimer's, he puts people on a strict keto diet, excuse me, when they have Alzheimer's, because he has found that that is the best way to nourish the brain uh, for people in that boat. But is a keto diet the right diet for you every single day, all year long? And that I'll talk about that on my next episode. But the point is, sometimes you have to go extreme. Michaela Peterson, if you know who Jordan Peterson is, her, his daughter, uh, severely arthritic with childhood rheumatoid arthritis. Um, she's basically in full remission and doing very, very well eating carnivore, just meat. That sounds extreme. The first time I ever heard about that, I thought that's the nuttiest thing I've ever heard. But there's a lot of good research and evidence that it's actually a great way to heal your gut, believe it or not. And again, this show isn't about specific diets, but my point is there are a variety of different extreme things you can do in dieting. But is it really that confusing to eat more healthfully? I think if you're listening to this show, I'm going to guess that the vast majority of people listening to this show believe already that organic is better than conventional, that we don't want things like glyphosate, you know, the chemical that's found in Roundup. We don't want all of the hybridized foods. We want clean, natural food. We want our beef to be raised eating grass and not corn. We want our our chickens to actually be free to roam around the pasture. All of these things, because we have been convinced based on the education we've received from whatever sources we've received it from, that that is the healthful way to eat. So what if you just start making those changes? Is that confusing? No, it's not confusing to go from not organic to organic. Is it too expensive? Well, I talked about that. And I think in most cases, there are some of us that are very, very strapped for cash. I get it. And every penny matters and you're not wasting money out there. But I just believe that most people in America are blessed enough that there is some disposable income that's being spent on things that isn't forwarding their lives, that's not advancing them towards their goals that they could spend on other things that could make them feel and do much, much better. So anyway, I don't understand. I think it's a cop-out. I think it's a cop-out. It's not that confusing to eat more healthfully. Do you have to eat perfectly? No. But you know what? I wasn't where I am now instantly. I started very, very small. I started with the dirty dozen and the clean 15. That's the 12 most toxically sprayed fruits and vegetables versus the 15 that are the least sprayed. And so then on the toxic ones, I started buying organic. And on the clean 15, I didn't. Now, if I can get it organic, I buy it organic. That's the choice I've made. But initially, I only bought the organic foods that I thought were super toxic if they weren't organic because that was a shift I was willing to make at that stage in my life. And now I'm at a further stage. I've taken it more seriously. Maybe it's because I'm going to be 51 years old next month. But regardless, it isn't confusing and it's not hard to understand where to start. Just start. 
And that maybe is the biggest thing. So let's talk a little bit about overwhelm. Do you ever feel overwhelmed when it comes to all this information that I give you on Vitality Radio? Do you ever feel overwhelmed if you listen to an episode of Andrew Huberman podcast? If you do, the Huberman Lab, well, join the club. A lot of information there, and it's pretty deep and technical in many cases. But that information isn't there to overwhelm you. It's there to enlighten you. And you can choose, I really do believe, to be overwhelmed. And you can choose not to be overwhelmed. You can choose to take the baby steps. You can choose to make the small changes and just stack them on top of each other. Little tiny changes just by degrees can make a massive, massive shift in the way that you see things and the way that you do things. So all of those excuses, all of those limiting beliefs that I just went through from the Tony Robbins list, they're all real. And I would dare say that If you're telling yourself that you don't use those excuses, all four of them at some point, you might be lying to yourself. I don't know. Maybe you're way more advanced on this stuff than I am. And if you are, congratulations, because it's a challenge. It is a challenge. I get it. The struggle is real, as they say. But here's what I believe about those four limiting beliefs. And a reminder, they are, I don't understand. I don't have the willpower. It's too expensive. And... I don't have time. Okay, so the big thing with those is language. The common denominator in most of these beliefs is language, and language matters. Our subconscious mind can't tell the difference between truth and lies. Did you know that? Our conscious mind is able to sort through things. We still can get scammed. We can still be lied to thinking we're being told the truth. Happens all the time. But we at least have the ability to critically think if we choose to do so and try and figure it out. It's not foolproof. We still get fooled sometimes, but we can sort it out. The subconscious mind is much more simple than that, much more basic. So language matters a lot. It can't tell the difference between truth and lies. It can't tell the difference between fact and fiction. So when you say, I can't, or I won't, or I don't, your subconscious mind believes you. I believe, based on the research I've done on this, and this is neuroscience that we're talking about. It's not just my opinion about anything. I believe that the subconscious mind believes that you are 100% honest. It's one of the reasons that a guy like me who's quite sarcastic in many cases, including on this show, has to pull back from that just a little bit here and there, recognizing that when I'm sarcastic about myself, I'm probably embedding, well, no, not probably. I'm embedding things in my mind, my subconscious mind, that I don't need, that are weighing me down. I need to be cautious about that. Because when you say, I can't, or I won't, or I don't, your subconscious mind believes you 100%. And when it believes you, it will help you fulfill your beliefs about yourself and will find ways to help you not do the thing that it believes that you can't do. Think about that for a minute. When your subconscious mind believes you, it will help you fulfill your beliefs about yourself because the subconscious mind, by design, is trying to simplify everything for your conscious mind. It's why when you start to tie your shoes as a young boy, which I struggled with, my mother tried to teach me, my brothers tried to teach me, my father tried to teach me. I couldn't figure that thing out for the life of me until a friend taught me a different way to tie the shoe. 
And I believe now, I didn't know this when I was, I don't know, seven or eight or however old I was when this happened. But I believe now that it was the novel idea of a different approach to tying the shoe that I could believe in because I couldn't do it the other way. I had convinced myself I couldn't do it the other way. I didn't believe I could do it the other way. And I bet you, and I can't remember that far back, that I told my parents and my brothers, I can't do this. But when somebody showed me an opportunity to do it a different way, it was almost instantaneous. Because I wasn't a dumb kid. I could tie a shoe, but it was a real struggle. So I had convinced myself that I couldn't tie a shoe until someone showed me an alternative way to tie the shoe, and then I could tie the shoe. Well, that's pretty awesome, right? So what if that's how all of life is? What if it's really that simple? Once we convince ourselves that we can, we can. We spend so much time convincing ourselves of what we cannot do, what we will not do, what we'll never become, what we'll never overcome. That once we're convinced, our subconscious mind, by design, by design, helps us fulfill that limiting belief. And that's an absolute neuroscientific fact. So then, I can tie my shoe now while I'm listening to a podcast or a radio or a song while I'm focusing on everything but tying my shoe. It's instantaneous to just tie the shoe. I don't have to think about it anymore. Because my subconscious mind learned that I could do it, learned how to do it, and it basically does it for me. It's an autopilot function that's in our subconscious mind because if we had to think hard about every single thing we do, we'd never get anything done. We would constantly bang our head against the wall, never accomplishing anything because we had to think so hard like I had to think so hard to try and figure out how to tie my darn shoes. So once the subconscious mind takes over, no problem. So by design, our subconscious mind is trying to serve us by saying, well, if you can't do it, I'm going to help you not do it. And well, if you can do it and you believe you can do it and you know you're going to do it, I'm going to help you do it. It's really that simple. And yet, it's a little more complex because most of us are starting off in a little bit of a hole, meaning we've already set up those self-limiting beliefs about ourselves or about others in our lives, but especially about ourselves. That's what I'm focused on today. We already have those beliefs. So now how do we unbelieve those things? Well, it still comes back to language. We can retrain our subconscious mind. We can tell ourselves that we do have willpower, no matter how mythical willpower might be. We do have time. Yeah, we do have time. We have enough money to buy organic food, or at least the dirty dozen. At least we can start there. We can afford to do that. In most cases, most of us. We can do those things, but just saying it once doesn't cut the mustard. You got to keep saying it and you got to keep believing it. And then if you fail at it, you've got to start again and continue to work towards it until your subconscious mind catches up to your conscious mind and tells you, yes, you can, and I'm going to help you figure out how. 
that's how this works. It really, really is. Do you have a disorder? Do you have major depressive disorder? Do you have bipolar disorder? Are, are you, do you have ADHD? Do you have PTSD? Do you have anxiety disorder? What is a disorder anyway? A mental disorder is characterized by a clinically significant disturbance in an individual's cognition, emotional regulation, or behavior. So do you have a disorder? Well, you know what? I've told this story on Vitality Radio before, and I'm going to link to it in the show description. If you haven't heard it, you need to listen to Jen's story because she believed that she had bipolar disorder, and I believed that she didn't. And she said, you're no psychiatrist. You're no psychologist. You're no doctor. You're just a guy that owns a health food store who I met on a dating app. And you're telling me within just a few days or weeks of meeting you that I don't have bipolar disorder, that I'm not bipolar? Yeah, the, that whole show is a beautiful, 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 beautiful example of exactly what I'm talking about today. So I encourage you to go back and listen to it. I've had people tell me that it changed them. Because Jen is a powerful, powerful human being. And I knew that the first time that I talked to her. Way before I fell in love with her. I knew that the first time I talked to her. And I also knew that she'd been burying herself under lies about who she was for decades. And that's why I refused to believe that she had bipolar. She had symptoms that looked like textbook bipolar. She was on meds for textbook bipolar, and she believed that those meds had helped. Well, we know that psychiatric meds, specifically SSRIs, are about as effective as a placebo in most cases. That's clinically proven in the medical journals, in case you don't believe me. You can look it up. About the same as a placebo. So who knows if her meds were helping her or not, but one thing I know is that when she got off of her meds, which she did on her own, I coached and helped her with supplements and things like that. But she got off those things on her own. When she got off of them, she said, I haven't felt this clear in decades. So were they helping her or hindering her? Well, her belief was that they helped her. But when she believed that she didn't need them anymore and that she'd be better off without them, she recognized that they were actually hindering her. Think about that. The same medicine for the same disorder that she'd believed she had all her life that was working great when she met me was causing more problems than it was creating solutions. Based on what? The drug changing? No. Her mind changing. That's what changed. And that's what has to change. If you want to find peace and calm with who you are, if you want to reach your health and wellness goals, Your mind is what has to change. That's all. In most cases, your income doesn't have to change. In most cases, your schedule doesn't have to change other than just rearranging how you prioritize that schedule. In most cases, your willpower doesn't have to just suddenly grow. These are excuses. These are limiting beliefs. These are things that not everybody likes to hear. But I'll tell you what, every single one of them has taken a hold of my life at some point, and some for a long, long time. And I have been changing that for the last five years of my life. And it is really, really incredible to behold. 
And it has been beautiful to watch with Jen as well because she's been doing the same thing. So remember this. I am sentences. Sentences that start with I am are maybe the most dangerous of all or the most beneficial depending on what follows the I am. I am bipolar, dangerous, very, very dangerous. I am dealing with some symptoms that I'd like to fix and I believe that I can fix them. That's a lot better. It's still a true statement, but it's a symptom that needs to change. It's not a broken person because when you accept that, when you wear it like a name badge, I am bipolar, I am diagnosed with anxiety disorder instead of I have some anxiety symptoms. Did you notice the subtlety of that? Not I am, I have. Well, you can have something and then not have it. But if you are something, you are something. So I encourage you to change some words. If you want to use I am, use it. Absolutely. For your good. I am capable. I am beautiful. I am strong. I am powerful. I am energetic. I'm learning to change. I am tired to I have some fatigue today. It sounds funny, but it's a big difference. It is a big difference because what we're convincing ourselves of is just simply not true so much of the time. And we can convince ourselves of higher truths that actually are true because you are infinitely capable. You are a beautiful soul. You are a powerful person if you choose to be so. So quit limiting yourself. Quit convincing yourself that you have a disorder. I suppose you could say, I have a disorder. But how about instead of that, which sounds like disease and doesn't feel very good, I have some symptoms that I'm dealing with. And I am going to defeat those symptoms. I also like, I am currently dealing with this. I love that because it sounds right now like that's not a long-term thing. That's just right now. It'll change just like the weather does. I believe in you. I do. I believe all of us have this within us. I think we all have greatness within us. And I think by and large, the reason that many people don't achieve it is because they believe that they cannot. And then they do not do the things that allows them to achieve that greatness. And therefore, greatness is never achieved. It's not because it was out of reach. It's only because they believed it was out of reach. That's my pep talk for today. I hope it's been helpful. There's more to come. I would really love to hear your feedback on this episode. If you like episodes like this, where I talk about the mental health aspect of this, where I talk about the motivational aspect of this, where I talk about the neuroscience of wellness, I would love, love, love your feedback. If you want more shows like this, I will bring them to you. I love doing them. I'm Jared St. Clair. Call us if you have questions, 801-292-6662, or hit us up online 
vitalitynutrition.com. Thank you for listening to me on Vitality Radio. You've been listening to the Vitality Radio Podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you.